Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. In today's message, Pastor CJ will be continuing to encourage us to dream with God while standing on His promises. We hope you enjoy this message. So good to see you here today, and praise the Lord. How many know God is good? Amen. Hey, I want to say this to you. Thanks for putting pictures on Facebook. Remember last week we did the balloons. Wasn't it? Amen. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen any balloons in the field. Did you guys see any balloons in the field? If not, don't tell us from our church. Amen. And so, <laughs> praise the Lord. But it was great. Hey, and thank you for that. Thank you for putting uh, your balloons up there and letting it go and pictures on the Facebook. How you get it out. And so one, one announcement I wanted before we go into the message today is uh, next Saturday, uh, she's been doing this now for the last few months, and it's exciting. It, it builds. But how many of you know that? that iron sharpens iron, and so does one man sharpen another. And even though I'm a past study, and I read, and I prepare, I still have to be fed myself, and I have to be taking care of myself, and read myself, and all that kind of stuff. And so I like to worship, I like to read the I read books, I do all these things. But also what I like to do is every third day of the month, I go to the Wilderness Fellowship at 7 o'clock on Saturday, and they have a praise and worship time. And um, what it is, it's all intense worship, it's a great time, and it's no pressure, and we just go there. I mean, Carla, it's, 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 it's just a lot of fun, Andy. What we just do is we just go and worship, and uh, we worship for about an hour, a little better. And uh, I'm going, wife's coming right from Women's Retreat. She's going to unload, and then want to miss it, and she's going to unload, and we're just going to take off and go to there and there, there. And so the 7 o'clock, this coming Saturday, I'm going to be there or be there, amen? And so we're going to be there and just worship. Oh, there's cookies, too, Amen. And that'll keep you awake for your energy, all the sugar, amen? So we'll just have that. But anyways, it's a great time, and I, I know I enjoy the opportunity for me to be re- Take all your sermon notes today as we part two. I want to say thank you for uh, being here today. If you're a visitor, thank you for filling out your card. God bless you today. Last week we talked about releasing your dreams. You have to release your dreams, what you hold on to. Sermon notes, you can read that. What you hold on to is all you're going to have. But what you release to him, God can multiply. Many times what happens happens is God may give us talents and abilities, but we're so guarded and we're so protected or afraid to love that which we have. What we hold have is all we're going to have. We just hold on to it and say, man, I, I'm just going to, this is mine, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold on to it tightly. I'm not going to let go of it. You know what? That's all you're going to have. But God has a principle. What you sow is what you're going to reap. What you let go of, God can take and multiply. God says, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He says, listen, I will take you your little and make it much. God can't take you don't give him. He won't force himself upon break in and steal from but he will only take that which you release to him. So that which you release to him, God then can multiply. Can you imagine? I, I love growing up on the farm in the summertime. Go on the farm and I'd go to my grandpa's farm and we'd we'd you know plant corn and we'd plant weed. We did all these things, but it amazed me that every time we would plant corn. One little seed of corn that my grandfather in the ground with a planter produced a corn stock. And on corn stock, there was always two ears of corn. But if you take that one seed, it put two ears of corn, and from that one seed, it multiplied even 130, 60-fold by the two of corn. 
And so by the one seed, and so what God says to you, what you have, give to him. Your talents, your ability, your, your, your creativity, whatever it may be, God says, look, give it to me and see if I will take and multiply it more than you have right now. But you have to not be afraid. Many times we hold on to these things and think in their security, you got to keep on to this. But listen, that's not how I operate. I operate by you letting go and letting me take control. When you let God take control, and then when God takes control, he'll you. But God won't take control unless you let it go. So what you do is all you're going to have, but what you can multiply. Listen to this. God is in the business of multiplication. He takes the little and makes it much. Remember the story about the five loaves and the two fish. God took the five and two fish and he felt what? Over 5,000 men plus women. He took the little and he multiplied it. What did he do with a little oil and a little bit of flour? He saved the woman and her two boys from bankruptcy and all these things because they were coming to take her because she didn't pay their debts. And so God took the little bit of oil, a little bit of flour, and he applied it. And what I'm here to encourage you today is God wants you to let go of your little. God says, do not rise the day of small beginnings. So God says, listen, don't this the day of your small beginnings. From a seed produces a tree. From a seed produces an orange tree. Something small to you is God. But God will take and he will multiply this. I love this. I followed up by promises, by his promises. So stand his promises and watch your dreams come to pass. Well, I find this to be true. God may give you a dream. He may give you a thought. He may give you a plan. Then you have to walk it out. So God says, here's the plan. It's the dream. But you know what's the, the wind in the sail of the dream? The promises is the wind of the sail in your dream. So God says, listen, I know you now. You're the basketball mom. God bless you. Your son's shooter. I got two people from the basketball team here today. Your son's a good boy. He shoot more, though. Amen? I want him to be a ball hog. Tell him that. I'm giving him permission. But, but you know what, what, what happens? Your promise is the wind into your dream sail. So God gives you a dream. But then how to maintain your dream? You're going to maintain your dream by in the promise that God says to you, Judy. So God says, I'm going to give you a dream. But in that, just the promises. I'm going to never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to help you. God bless. I'll tell you, let me just take a side before we do something else. God, listen to this. Man, sometimes I, I didn't know Everett or Janet for, for, from anywhere. I didn't know him from Adam. And I didn't know what he did. I didn't know anything about him. And he came to a miracle service on Miracle Sunday. And... October, in October, listen to this, in October, they were, they have a business, and I know that now, Andy, I know their business, and blah, but God word to speak over Everett and said that was going to bring an increase in promotion, and I don't know all the words you know more than I do. Listen to what happened. This is so cool, Terry, what happened. God took what he was doing, and he was already in two states, right? Two, Yeah. Mostly one, okay. He was making one. They sell produce, and it's organic produce, chicken and all that, organic chickens and stuff, different things. But listen to what God just, God followed on his promise, and he multiplied it to a place. Now he's in, is it five states now? It's going regional now. Look, imagine how big God took the little and made much. And my listen, what are you afraid of, and what are you afraid of letting go and letting God? So many times we say God control, 
But when it comes to take control, do you really let go of take control? You wonder why you're finding yourself in situations in your life because you're driving and God's not. And if God's not driving, you're having accidents. But when God drives, never has had an accident, nor will he ever have an accident. He leads you down the path of righteousness for his namesake. What is the path of righteousness? The path of righteousness is blessings handfuls on purpose. It's things that will happen in your life that God will make happen in your life if you let go and say, Jesus, take Carrie Underwood. Jesus, take me. You guys don't know no that. But you control that. Today, I've asked somebody to share what God has done and how God fulfilled the promise. Now, hear this, how God fulfilled the promise in her life where the promise looked dead, where the promise seemed like it was over, it was not going to come to pass. And look at what God, Maya, Good morning. There he is. Um, last week, CJ asked me to on a prompt. Um, at first, I'm like, no, I can't in front of people. But as you all know, I, I like to, but I'm not good at talking in front of people. But I'm going to do it. Because last week, I wrote on my little card, courage. Maybe that was for um, so I went home and I stepped through the Bible looking for promise verses and I found them and I found them and then I just realized that the whole Bible is full of God's promise. Um, uh, like Second Peter, he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises. Deuteronomy 38, he promised to never leave us. Uh, he promised to bring beauty out of ashes. Um, this is my son. He's forever 27. Uh, he grew up, uh, he was a great kid, just just was a really great kid. He um, loved golf, loved math, and loved his mama. Um, he he uh, went to state all four years for golf, and uh, that, was, that was his dream. He was going to play someday. And he went on to college to become an engineer. So he decided to design golf clubs. Uh, he went into uh, engineer Anderson w uh, Windows right out of college there for about a year. But he was always going over online looking for any any kind of job that pertained to golf. And one day he uh, there was there was some they were was looking for a design engineer and he he applied went through the process and there was over 1,200 applicants and he got picked. So he left me and went to Arizona. Um, he was with Ping for about a year. Uh, he designed over 20 patents with Ping. Um, some of the club designed. Bubba Watson won the 2012 Masters. Um, he golfed with Bubba. He golfed with some of the best. I do believe he would have been on tour someday golfing. Um, he was living the He told me that every time he called. He was like, Mom, I'm living the dream. It's all good. I'm living the dream. And... Um, He'd go to work, and he'd say, his boss, he'd say, pinch me, I think. I mean. um, he started designing clubs company. Uh, and, uh, they, they, uh, he, uh, anyway, in March 21st of 2014, he went to work, and a lady pulled out in front of him, and he died instantly. Um, no words to describe day or the years following it, but I, w I just pray that nobody else has to go through it, but um, he, he, uh, he stood on the verse of Proverbs 3, 1 through 6, he had it, he had it on his own, he was saved in 2009, um, 
his past. We see it everywhere. We put it on his gravestone. I hear just about every day. I see it. It's just like it's always there. But um, I brought a club. <coughs> he, he had been di designing clubs. The, the startup company hadn't started yet. Um, okay. um, hadn't started yet. So, uh, but he had all his designs. So after he passed, um, he put together his clubs, and this was Brandon. They named it after him. Uh, he also designed a driver called the Mustang. The Mustang. But um, they've, they've been so good to us. They, they just have, uh, they keep in contact with us all the time. We went down to his office. They have his office still there, and it's just pictures and patents, and it, it's really awesome. But um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 is what I've, lived by uh, trust in the trust that there is no situation in your lives that cannot change for good with all your heart our whole heart lean not on your own understanding don't try to figure it out but in all your ways acknowledge him in everything we should look for God for the answer and he will set your paths if we follow our heart God will guide us and bless us and lead us to um, a couple years into my journey um, I felt prompted by God to a story. Um, I'm like, I can't, but I started writing. And after I wrote it, I read it to my husband. He's like, you didn't write that. I'm like, nope, Holy Spirit. So um, this is my story. It's called The Grief Road. The Grief Road is a two-rut trail that is long, dark, and dangerous, but you must travel it in order to live again in this world. There are many obstacles you will encounter. It's very lonely, it's very dark, and it's scary. It seems like it is void of anything good. It is loud, voices in your head until you feel like it's going to explode. There are ugly, scary monsters always jumping out at you, telling you lies. You feel like your legs are not a part of your body. You feel like you are carrying a blanket draped around you. The only reason you continue on is of that whisper you can clearly hear at times, but you must listen real hard. It says, I'm with you, and I will keep you safe until you reach end. You must travel over many hills and deep ravines. You'll come out, and you know you must climb. It's very steep and rocky. You're trying to try to get to the top, but you just keep sliding back down to the pit. You must keep going. You must keep trying because something heart tells you not to give up. The closer you get to the top, sense there is something good on the other side. You finally get up, and if you look far into the distance, you can you start to feel it. Again. You can see instead of darkness, and you can actually feel the, your heart slowly start to beat again. As you walk, start walking towards the light. There are still a few more bridges you must cross. The image of that distant place keeps you going. The road seems easier and easier, and I'm getting close when I feel my senses coming to life. I can feel the warmth of the sun. I can see in the beautiful green pastures and the beautiful colored flowers. The rivers are so blue and crystal clear. But most of all, I can hear people laugh, feel like I want to laugh with them. There is no real laughter or smiles on the road because you feel you are betraying one if you do. Suddenly, I feel a sweet presence in me and a whisper in my ear. You made it, my precious child. I love you, and I will never. I carried you through your trials and your so that you could live again. My faith is stronger than ever because of my journey down that grief road. And yes, I also hear a sweet voice whispering in my ear saying, I love you, Mama. You can do it. I'm loving heaven and with each other for all of eternity. Never. Time for me to tee off. So, thank you.
Just to share that because some of you may have lost your dream. If you read the story of Ruth, and it's not on your notes, but in Ruth, if you know the story how Ruth became, lost everything. Her husband, Boaz, lost the hope of any grandchildren else. She lost. But in Ruth chapter 4, verse 6, Ruth married Boaz. And when they got married, they would have a child. And you know what they did? They rekindled the dreams in Naomi. The dreams that Naomi thought she lost, they were rekindled. And what they were able to do, they were able to take their child, their grandson, which Naomi lost, and were able to replace that baby in place in her arms. And you know what? The moment they replaced that baby in Naomi's arms, it was restored. And the reason why I had her that is because, you know what? Even though Brandon passed away, his dream continued to live on. And the patent that he designed now is made right there. That is evidence of his dream. God's promise was the sale of the dream, and it was fulfilled. I'll tell you this. Maybe some of you today, and I want you to hear your pastor. Maybe some of you today have lost your dream. Maybe you've gone severe divorce. And because of that, you feel like your dream, your hopes are given up. Maybe you've gone through a, a major problem, and you feel like you're never going to make it through that hurdle. Maybe you've gone through some crisis with your family. You lost a loved one, and man, God has given up. God never gives up on his promise. His promise is yes and amen. The one that doesn't give God, but the one that always gives up is you. You're the one that always gives up. God never gives up on you. He's always reaching towards you. But now the question, are you reaching towards God? Jesus said, if you draw nearer to him, he will draw nearer to you. You know what? When you draw to God, that's when God replenishes or restores the broken. That's what he said. He said, I come to heal the broken and bind the wounds. God heals the broken of your heart when you come back to him. When the prodigal came back to Jesus, the Bible said he was eating with the pigs. That's how he got in his life. But when he was eating with the pigs, with the, in the trough with the pigs, the Bible simply says that he came back to census and he went back home. You see, coming back home to Jesus is the restorer of your dream. And maybe you feel like you've been given up on and your dreams are lost. God, never lose sight of the promises or the dream of your life. And I'm here to tell you, I'm a witness of that. Man, growing up in the lifestyle that I did, coming through the drug-infested life I did, the six surgeries on my nose because of cocaine, the scar iron from shooting, things that I used to do, I was in the pits. But found me in the pit, and he can find you. He found Mo in the desert. He found Elijah, who was um, Abraham and who were barren. He found them, and guess what? He can find you. He can find you, and when he finds you, he can restore you. And restoring you brings new hope, success, and blessings back in your life. But you have to start walking again. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8-20, I love what Paul Paul says these words. When Paul writes these words, he was inspired by God to write these words. So I don't know about you, but I had men, many men and many people had promises. They said to do things and they never followed through. How many of ever happened? People probably maybe commit to you, maybe said things to you, and they never followed through with their word. And because they didn't follow through with your word, you. And maybe you have also broken your promises to someone else, and you hurt them. But breaking promises or trust, and it's when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'll come over and help you move tomorrow. You're dependent on them to come over and help you move tomorrow because they're part of the group that owed the truck, and they don't show up, and now you're shorthanded. And, man, now do man, scores of harder work yourself and all these different things because they didn't follow through with their And Paul says here, he says these words, he's not making the commitment.
He's not making commitment. He's using the words of the Lord. And watch what he says. But as he says, God is faithful. If you have your Bibles, you need to underline that. God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to you. He'll never show favoritism to one or to the other. You are on the same ground as we all are. We're all on the same level with God. He doesn't show favoritism. But he does honor. He does bless those who draw near to him. God will honor you if you draw near to him. This, he says, our message to you is not yes and for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by, by me, Silas, and Timothy, was not yes, but now get this, in him. Notice what he's using, using the Lord. He said, I'm not making this statement. Because know that I may let you down. Man will let you down. Man will tell you. Man will make commitments. Man will make promises. They will let you down. I'm going to tell you today, they will let you down. My first girlfriend that I dated, she let me down. She broke up. It broke my heart. How many you know what I'm talking about? My first crush. I was crushed. I'm not talking about orange crush. I was, she made a commitment, and I was hurt. I thought, oh, man, I'm never going to get now. I'm doomed. I'm never going to have another girlfriend. I'm never going to have this. I'm, I left my, now I got my pookie woman, amen? But you know, God says this, watch. He says this, not me, but in him. It has always been yet, no matter how many promises God has made, God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the God. But you notice what Paul's saying? He's not putting himself, Chris, into God, but he's on behalf of a God. And he says, Chris, my God says he will supply all your needs. My God, he will follow through with your promises, and he will provide for you, Allison. He will provide and make a way where there seems to be no way. But I'm not making that commitment, but God is making that commitment, and God is yes and amen, and it will not return void. It will accomplish that which it said it will do. So you can stand on that. You can get to the bank because God will not lie to you but he will follow in what he says so restore the dreams don't look yesterday bible says listen god said hey i come to give you i know the plans that i have for you how many know that god plans he knows your plans I plans that i have for 29 11 he plans that he has for you plans to jan prosper you now not to harm you plans to give you hope for your future God knows plans, and if he knows your plans, those plans don't include pain, include sorrow, they don't include suffering. But who does that? The enemy is like a roaming to and fro, looking for whom he may devour. And why he's suffering, why he brings pain in your life is to stop you from progress things of God, because he knows that if you progress in the things of God, going to reward you end. So the enemy wants to put these roadblocks in your path to stop you, to make you quit, to make you up. Listen to this. I love this. Man will always make or break promise. God's word stands as a promise. No and no buts about it. Ever been let down by someone? I think we all have. Some of you are probably still carrying the scars. Some of you are probably carrying the pain of the commitment that somebody made to you and they let you down. You stay away from them when you see them. You're like raid. When you see them, you walk away. Don't talk to them because they do. You know, you always say, man, how do I know a forgiven person? If they've hurt me, how do I know if I've forgiven them? You now you can tell if you've forgiven the person that's hurt you, that you're able to walk free without any reservation, without any restraint, that I can come back. How you doing? No, not that she did. I love her. But if she hurt me, amen, prefacize that. But if, I, if she hurt me and I forget her, I should have an open heart to say, hey, listen, man, Ask me, I love you back, man. Praise God. You're wonderful. You're awesome. But if I give her, here's what's going to happen. There's that back. I'm going to avoid her. You know the difference if you're healed or if you're not healed. If you're healed, to walk up to her and tell her, hey, man, how you doing? I love you. I forgive you. You don't even have to bring that up. 
But if you're not healed, you're going to stay away. So if you're not healed, what's going to keep you from your promise? And you need to, God, you know what? I, this bitterness doesn't cause the one who causes it as much as the one who harbors it. See, the one who's hurt you, I've always said this, bitterness hurt the one who's caused it as much as the one who harbors it. You know what? That person that may have hurt you, they went on in life. But you're holding back your bitterness, your awe, your resentment, your pain. You're back these things and you're holding on to them. And you know what that is? That's like an, on a boat that's keeping you in place. Because you're holding on bitterness and that bitterness turned into an anchor and you're just sitting still. You know what? Father, man, he hurt me in many different ways. My father committed many things to me. And, you know, one time I had to confront my dad. And I found all these problems, things, and all these promises that my father committed to me. Man, he committed this and he committed that and committed one thing after another. So many promises. They were endless to, even to count. And you know what? One day I had to confront my dad because it was hurting me and it was holding me back. It was holding me going forward to what God wanted to do in my life. So you know what I had to do? I had to go and confront my giant. What is your giant? What's holding you back and intimidating you from going forward? You see, David was afraid of the giant. David didn't run away from the giant. David ran the giant. He ran to the and others would retreat and the Philistines would retreat when they would come out and they would retreat and what they would do is, oh, there's a giant would run away. But David said, listen, I'm not a going to be in by my giant. I'm not going to allow my giant to defeat me. I'm going to defeat the giant. So many times we're faced with our giant. Giant may be our pain that we're facing in our lives. Maybe somebody's rejected you, put you down, gossiped about you, talked about you. People write about me or talk about me. You know what I do? Give me a piece of paper. I'm going to tell you on my knees. I'm going to pray for you because you know what? If you're going to pray about me, I'm going to talk about you, but down on my knees because that things change. But you know what David did? He ran to his problem. He didn't run from the problem. He confronted it. And you know what? I confronted my problem, Dad. And here I was holding on to this anger, this resentment, this rejection, the promise broken. And you know what? When I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I ask you for forgiveness. I got to ask you, God, for, for forgiving me. For I told him all the things that he did to me. And you know what he said? He just he says, son, I don't remember. I'm like, what? You don't, it cut me so bad. But he, he just went on in life. And I was decaying my own life. I was dying in my life because I was holding on to something that was keeping me from my dreams. And let me ask you, what is your giant? What is keeping you from going forward? Some of you, like I said, mom went through three divorces. Dad went through three divorces. I saw it. But my mom didn't stop living. She kept living. She didn't let to be her anchor, thinking I was no good. I was not worthy. I wanted all these things. My mom lived her life. And so in park. And God wants to do a miracle in your life. He wants to bring you up and not down. God wants to restore dreams in your heart. He wants to restore the brokenness. And he said, listen, promises are yes and amen. What are you listening to? Wrong voices make wrong choices. And if you listen to the wrong voice, it's going to bring you down the path of destruction. But if you listen to my voice, I will lead you down the path of right for my name's sake. That's what God says. You see, in Hebrews chapter 10, I love this verse. He says, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded to you. You know, I played basketball all my life. My kids played ball, and we played with your kids today. And it was so cool. My kids, they played ball. And you know what they say about basketball? Basketball is 90% confidence and 10% ability. 90% confidence and 10% ability. If, man, if they can destroy your confidence... Then you know what? You're defeated. You step on the court. 
Now, I play basketball with some big guys, and I'm not name dropping, but this is. I play with Isaiah Thomas. I play with Maurice Cheek. I play with Jim Jones. I play with Isaiah, uh, Terry Cummings. In fact, babysit it. My kids were little, so my wife can verify this. I played with some of the biggest basketball players that you can think of Mark Aguirre, Jim Jones, all those. And you know what? When I played against them, man, they were just to me. I was five foot nothing when I first started playing with those. And I'd look at them, man, and they'd be towering over me. What I had to do, I had to be like David. I may be facing my head, but you're going down. How did I accomplish the things that I didn't battle? Because I didn't look at them. I looked at the problem solver. Sometimes you're looking at the problem instead of the one who can solve your problem. And you know what? I stepped on the court. No matter if they're going to block my shots, I don't know how many times they block my shot, but I'm going to still keep shooting it. You have to make sure. Because you've got a block shot, they swatted your shot, they embarrassed you, they went up, man, wham! Now you have to make a decision, are you going to shoot again? Shoot again or are you going to quit? Are you going to be afraid of, well, if I do it, I'll be embarrassed again? So I'm going to my shot and I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to just keep it. You got the ball that's in your court, what with it? What are you going to do with the ball that's in your court? Are you going to keep passing it off? You know what? You can't win if you don't have an odd mind. You can play defense all you want because that's what a lot of times what we do is we play defense. I don't know about you, but I hate playing defense. Oh, because if I get the ball, I can score. If I can score, I can win. You're always playing defense. You're never going to score. And when do they celebrate? They celebrate when you're. They don't celebrate when you play defense. Nobody really knows unless you get an interception. Is that right? But if you score, they're going to, man, go to a hockey. I went to the Wilds game. A lot of times they only score one or two goals a game. When they score a game at the Wilds, whoo, man, they go crazy. I mean, the tell you, I splash with beer, man, popcorn all over my hair. I mean, it was crazy. I'm going to get that guy behind me. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I went with a couple men. They took me there. And, and I mean to tell you, before I left, I just came out of a barrel of beer or vodka or Daniel, Daniel, Jack Daniels or whatever you call it. I mean, I, I, okay, because they got so excited. Can I ask you something? Why is it that we get so excited at a football game? We get so excited at other things, but we can't get it for God. It's because we base ourselves on what we, what we sense and what we don't see. And I'm telling you, that's not fair. And God wants you to succeed. Listen, he throw away your confidence. He said, listen, you need to preserve. So when you have done the will of you will receive what he has promised. That's what he said. He said, don't quit. Can I ask you something? How many of you have quit? Persevere. How many of you have quit? How many, how many of you have laid it down? This young lady here, I'm so proud of her. If you know her story, I went and when I saw her come in today, if you know her story, you can tell her where you were just from, where you just got up. She just got out. How long were you in there? Four months. You know what? She could have laid down and quit. She's here today. What is your prison? What is holding you back? Is it your stinking thinking? Is saying it can't do it? Is it this? Is it that? You see, 90% is confidence in playing back. You're in the game. And you know what? When you're in this game, either make it or break it. And it all starts with your confidence. He said, don't away. Persevere. Don't quit. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't be weary in well-doing. Weary and tired. Don't give up. Don't become weary and weary at the proper time. You, Sheila, will harvest if you do not quit. But Harvest. And some of you are laying down saying, I get it. And that's not no fun because now you become blacktop so people can run over. God doesn't want that. Listen, things that steal our confidence. You ever notice what, what steals confidence with God? 
Number one is this. When things happen the way we expect them to happen, that steals our cups. How many of you ever prepared for a party and you prepared maybe for 50 people to show up and only 10 show up? Or how many had this great idea, these grand old ideas, they didn't happen the way you expected them to happen? Amen? Saying this in the first service, man, I, I remember my first, I, I keep talking about that because of commitment. My first date, I was all planned ahead, all rehearsed in my mind, what we were going to do, where we were going to go, all stuff. Man, I was all excited for that big date. I was all for the big day. Man, I'm ready to go pick her up and my phone. At that time, you didn't have cell phones. It was landlines. You are so blessed to have a cell phone. My, my ring's at the house. Guess who it was? It was the girl I was supposed to pick. What happened? My groups. Everything that I wanted to have been crashing down. And so you know what happened in my mind? All of a sudden, it took over. Oh, man, she must not like you. Oh, man, I must have did something wrong. All these things started getting in my spirit. And you know what it done? It just it took away my confidence that the next time I asked her out, guess what? I prayed to do it, Troy, because it didn't happen the way I thought it was good. And you know what? We do that with God. We think, God, this is how I want it to happen. If it don't happen this way, God, then I give up. Whoever said it was the arm of God. God just says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know looking it out. Be still and know that I have things under control. Say, twist my arm. And a lot of times we lose our confidence because it happened, Michael, the way we want it to. It doesn't happen when we want it to happen or something to happen. God said a day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is with a, like a God. And a lot of times what happens is we want it to happen now. God, put it out there right now. It's got to happen now. We don't run on God's timetable. I mean, you don't, he doesn't your timetable. We run on God's. God doesn't run two hours like we do. God's timetable is different. Timing is always perfect. It's never too late, never too early. It's all on time. God always comes through at the right time. Amen. A third thing that steals our confidence won't happen at all. Maybe you've had things in your life that had it all. Remember the song by Garth Brooks? I thank God for unanswered prayers. How many prayed some sinners? And aren't you glad that those prayers weren't answered? Boy, can you imagine some of those prayers that we prayed? Woo! We prayed out of emotion. We prayed out of, we prayed out of anger. Whatever your emotion, when you prayed at that time. And can you imagine? Man, strike him down. And now you're in love with him. Come on, you know about. Man, I wish my wife would change her hair. Then she did, man, like a beehive. You asked for it, you got it, Toyota, man. You see what I'm saying? But sometimes, all this, to be true, that when God closes the door, he'll open a window. He'll open something else for your life. He'll open something new in your life. He'll do something bigger in your life when you think you got it. And God asked, how many of you had this? Mom, can I have this? Dad, can I have this? No. Well, why not? Because I said so. Well, Mom, come Can I have No. Why not? Because I know what it will do for you. And you have to say no. Sometimes, how many know the hardest words sometimes in our vocabulary to kids is what? Don't ever tell your kid. You want to throw them a temper tantrum? Tell them no. Can you have this candy? No. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. We all go crazy like that, even when our spouses tell us no. Can I get a new car? No, we can't afford it. And we go ways. 
But you understand what I'm sometimes? God says no because he sees your future. Remember, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He's out ahead. You see for today. God sees your future. Sometimes God closes or doesn't do things because he knows up ahead. And if you walk that road, you might have an accident that God's prevented you from. You see, listen, stay in the will of God. Even when you don't see results or signs, his promises. Stay in will. Notice what he said? Stay in the will. Stay in God's will. So what is staying in God's will? I will keep believing though I don't see results. That's the first thing. God, I'm not going to base my relationship on you by results. That's not faith. It's the substance of things unseen. It's hope for. So God, I'm going to stay in the will by believing. God, even though I don't see it, even though I'm not feeling it or don't understand it, God, I'm not going to stop believing you. The first thing we want to do when, when things don't go our way, we want to jump out of God and get mad at God. We want to shake our fist at God. God, God, we want to stop believing. Oh, I, I did this Jesus thing before. I did the thing before. I followed him with all my heart. Nothing ever happened, so why should I? How many ever said that before? Liars. I think we all have. But that's what, that's, that's what we base our relationship on what we see. Don't believe that. I trust God and I stand on his word. The hardest thing with us in our relationship is to trust God. You know what we do, God? We take all our physical, natural things here in this world. We take all our loans, all our hurts, all our pain, all our broken commitments that be done to us. And we try to take that into relationship with God. So we equate God as human and Man did this, man did that, man did that. So why trust God? Because man let me down, so why should I trust God? God will let me down just like man. No. God doesn't operate. If there's anyone that you can trust that's not going to let you down, it's God. God doesn't break his word. His word is what's an amen. And the one who's, man, well, a lot of times because you and you've been let down, people, you take your mistrust into your relationship, and you keep God at arm's length. God, you're only going to come this close. That's it, God. I'm not letting you any closer. When God says, I want to embrace you, I want to love you, I want to accept you into my Another one is this, I will not give up on God and his promise. What happens when we, when we walk out of the will of God? We just walk away from God. We just walk away from this God thing, so see you, God. They say that the average American moves every five years. Every five years, the average American moves. But you know who never moves? God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's established. He will not be shaken, nor will he ever be moved. What happens is a lot of times what is you give up on God. God does it on you. And God says, listen, I'm still here I am. Upon this rock I will build my church. The rock, the rock is Jesus. It's unmovable, unshakable. God says, I am God. I will not be moved. Number four, we surrender the promises God has given us. We finally just give up. I give up on my promises. I give up on my hopes. I give up on my dreams. Hebrews 18 says this. Watch. God did, God did so that by two unchangeable, unchangeable things, in which, one number one, it is impossible for God. Why does he say the truth will set you free? Because you cannot lie. He speaks the truth, and truth will set you free. How many have been hurt by lies? How many people to you? Told you they're going to be there. Didn't show up. Told you they're going to do this. that. He doesn't lie. That's the first thing. We have been to take hold of this of the hope set for us. He said, set before us may be great. 
encouraged. So you see what God says? Number one, I'm not lie to you, Andy. God's not going to lie to you. That's unchanged. He'll never lie to you. But you know the second thing he says? He will encourage you. In the midst of Robin, your struggle, I'm going to lie to you, but in the midst of your struggle, I'm going to encourage I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to lie to you. You can stand on that. In the midst of your battles, in the midst of struggles, guess the corner encouraging you? God. So he said there's changeable things. Number one, he's not going to lie. And number two, he's going to encourage you. He's going to, Chris, he's going to encourage you. When you feel down, God's giving up. He's your biggest cheerleader. Why do they have cheerleaders on the sidelines at Viking games or whatever games? It's not because they're ready. It's supposed to cheer on the fans, to keep up the momentum, keep up the excitement of the spirit. You know what? That's what God does to you. He's your big leader. He's on your side. You can do it. Sheila, you can do it. Even though it gets tired. Man, every day the things you have to do, you can do it. And that's what he does every day. He does it every day. He says that to you. You can do it. That's your God. He's your biggest cheerleader. He's your biggest. You can do it. You see, listen to this. If God's will, keep the faith. Faith is always active. It's always being forward. Not limited unless we limit him. God puts no faith. Faith puts no limit on God. How many know that's true? Hope desires. Faith demonstrates. Philippians 4, 6, 4 and 6. Now we get ready to close. Go ahead, Becker, Jeremiah. Watch what he says. Rejoice, Lord, always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know what he said? If you study Psalms, uh, Philippians, I love Philippians. There's 104 verses in Philippians, chapter 1 to chapter 4. There's 104 verses that compile. Do you know that 104 verses? 40 of verses. 40 of them. Paul talks about Jesus and his commitment, his love. In those 100 verses, 40 verses, talk about Jesus. And you know what? That means 2.15 verses. Philippians, Paul is talking about Jesus. So why Paul say in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and die is gain? Because he had Christ on the mind. No matter about his sufferings, no matter about his floggings, his fusion, his hardships, he had Christ on the brain. Because all he can think about, he meditated on Jesus because his hope was in the Lord. It wasn't in man because man was down. Man did let him down. But Jesus never let him. So he focused him. The hope, the rock of my Redeemer. You see, what happens is you lost your hope. And lose hope in your life, you lose purpose. And when you lose purpose, you lose meaning. And when you lose meaning, you give up and throw in the towel. I'm not, all I am is a person to work every day and provides for food for my kids. That's all I do. That's all I'm good for. That's not true. God has a plan for you. He said, look, I love Philippians 4. He says this, Paul was not fault-driven, but faith-driven. No matter what happened or didn't happen, to rejoice has no expiration date on it. It's a lifestyle to rejoice. When we have food that expires, got a date on there, what do we do with that? We throw it away. But there is an expiration date with God. You notice he says it twice, to rejoice. Lord always, I, I will say it again, rejoice. It means voice even in your sorrows, even in your pain. Have you ever had anybody in your face? Man, what do you want to do? You want to knock them out. Why? Because they, they were bare you. You know what? You want to get the dead and start laughing in his face. Because Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is strength. 
And listen, you may come against me, but I'm going to come against you with joy. I'm going to come against with you with laughter. I'm going to come against excitement and the zeal of joy for an expiration date. You see, the big three of Philippians 4 is this. It says prayer is a gentle devotion. The words worship and adoration. Prayer. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to do Two, substitutions and petitions. Suggest humility. Humble yourself on the side of the Lord and he will lift you up. We are in the sense that we make no demands. We simply offer humbled requests, God. Here I come. God doesn't people who are full. He looks for people who are empty. He says, in your weakness, he's made strong. If you were full of work and God pour into. But he looks for looks for lives that are full. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I'm too weak. God, I'm too vulnerable. I can't handle the pressure. I can't handle the stress that I'm under. The financial this and the financial. God, I can't handle my job. I can't handle this. But God said, okay, if you can't handle it, let me take control. And that's how God come. God doesn't you as weakling. He doesn't look at you as that you don't have faith. He looks at you as humble and says, okay, now it's my turn. I can come in. You finally let down your walls so I can come in. Three requests is exactly that. A sick petition. Oh, God, exactly what we want. We pray the particulars of our problem and our promises. Here's where I'm at. Here's my situation. Why is it hard for us to go to God? Because you know why? The enemy wants you to walk in guilt and condemnation. That is not God. That's why he says in Romans 1, he says, there is now no condemnation and no love of the Lord. So many times what happens, we don't want to go to God because we say this, I'm not worth I messed up. i done this. I done. And we weak ourselves out. But God, there is no one beast that strikes you out. Can you imagine God says 70 times 7? If God tells us to do that, can you imagine what God says to, he does for us? He doesn't just forgive you one time, two, three times. He forgives you time. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, but God is Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. Troy, he forgives you. He doesn't hold it against you. You may remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. There's no touching point again. As far as the east is from the west, there's never coming back again. Never coming back to connecting again. Allison, he doesn't remember that. Who remembers it? You. You and yourself and I. You remember God. I, I, I don't remember. You see, in Luke 18, verse 41, very close, he says this. Is the blind man. Story of the blind man. I love this story. I want you to get this. Jesus said this, and he knew what the blind man wanted, but watch this. He said to the man, what do you want me to do for you? He's asked the blind man. Now, Jesus knows all, right? He knows everything, right? He knows what your needs are. He knows every hair on your head. He knows what you God does. Nothing you need from God. You can try to, but you can't run because His Holy Spirit, everywhere you go, He is. God wants, He said, look, Lord, I want to see. He why did God or Jesus ask the blind man to do that? This is why. What Jesus said, he already knew what the blind man needed, but watch this. He wanted the blind man himself to verbalize best. When your kids want something, think, Mom, Dad, can I have this? Aren't you the sons of the Abba Father, the Papa Daddy, the great I am, the Father loves you? He expects you to verbalize needs. What do you want? Kids ain't afraid to ask for When you were growing up, you're not afraid to ask for it. Afraid to ask your spouse for something. You're not afraid to ask for money. You're not afraid to ask. What is it? Why is it that you're so afraid to advise it to God? 
It shows that, no, it shows that you're humble. That God, I'm going to verbalize my need. You see, God invites you, yes, comes you, reminds him of his promise. He wants to remind him of his promises. The promises are yes and amen. How many ever had this? Dad, Mom, you said, you said, know what I said, don't remind me. I'm talking about. God wants you to do the same. That's the greatness of God. A lot of we forfeit the blessings that God has for us because our pride gets in the way. We're afraid to ask. Well, other people need to do worse than I am because they're worse than I am. Let other. You know what? Hey, I want to get all mine because my God says He's going to do exceedingly abundantly more than He would ask. See what I'm saying? That makes sense. Ephesians this. Isaiah 62 verse. I love this. I have posted watchmen walls of Jerusalem. Now watch this. They will never be day or night. God, help us. On the wall because they were in the battle and they needed somebody to help them. They needed, they needed guidance. They needed wisdom. They needed protection. God, help us. They verbalized their need. <laughs> you who call on the Lord, give yourself rest. In other words, not, don't stop asking. 18, the persistent widow. She kept asking and asking and asking until she got her liberty. She didn't give up. One, two strike, three strikes, you're out. God doesn't play baseball. I'm going to say amen. We close. Look at this. Remind God. God, you said walk with me through the waters. God, you said. You said, God. Some of you, you're drowning, but God's your buoy. He's holding you up. You said, lead me through the valleys. God, where are you when I need you right now? I'm in this light. I'm in a valley, Lord. David, I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I fear no evil for your rod and your staff for me. Are you in a valley right now? You're looking up at your mountain, intimidating you. It's roaring at you, so you make it, you're doomed. Guess who's in that valley with you? If it was in the fire with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, be with you. If God was in the pit with Daniel in the house of the lions, he with you. You see, Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. You know why I bet in Philippians, learning the secret of being content? Because he made his, his house. He made his shackles his jewelry. He didn't suck what he didn't have. My shackles are my dream. My, my cell is my house. My guard is my wife. He looked things, man, that God <laughs> walk with me. God, you said you will never leave me, nor take me. God, you said, you said, Lord, you will never leave me. You said you will provide needs. God, my cupboards are bare. You see, I love this as we close. Find a promise that fits your problem and build your prayer around it. Problem today. What is your problem? Find the promise from his word that fits your problem. Start speaking that promise over your problem. It's like compound W that you put on a wart and it sucks the wart until eventually it's done. That's what the promise, it covers over your problem. It suffocates your problem until it finally comes to pass. You Compound. Lord, I speak the promise. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 24. He is faithful. He is faithful. The walls you is faithful, and he will do it. I want you a favor. Will you take out your piece of paper now? We're very special. It says on your words to live. I have mine is that love, peace, growth, faith, belief. What are some words that you're going to live by? Maybe renewed, maybe hope, maybe peace. You to take out your crayon. We're going to be kids here for a moment. Take out your crayon. And what we're going to do is you notice that little piece, of, that little hole on there? We're going to take these, and for over the next month, there are going to be more of these foyer. And we're going to tie them to this chicken wire. Promises, the words to live by, your words are going to be up. And what's going to happen over this next month? These words are going to be up there, and people come, and we're going to pray over these. And we're going to believe for you because your words have the power of life and death, and you will eat thereof it. And so you got to believe. What are your words? I know mine is love. I know mine is joy. People say to me, I had a phone call called me and said, Pastor, what are you doing different in this church? It's what's happening. You know what it is? It's love people and love God. I love you. I, I can't wait to see and meet you guys more. Your kids are all love them. Awesome. Love coaching them. They really do. But you know what? It's a cool thing. You present them to You verbalize it today. You got paper ready? You got your If you do, I want you to stand now. Here's what we're, you're going to lay them at the altar here. Write your, write your words out. When you're done, stand up. If your words written up, just stand up, will you? Just write your words out. Stand up. What we're going to do is we're going to bring them to the altar. Bring them to the altar. Let's, I don't want you to leave. I want to pray over them. If you're done, I want you to come up. Start bringing them up and just gather around the altar. Get at some got peace. God, I would trust you. Look at these. God, I would trust you. God, I believe. Friend from man, this girl met at the poorhouse. Cool. I love this girl. If you got your words, come on. Just come on. Just gather around the altar. Don't go back. Just stay right here. Stay right here, guys. Up here, Troy. Come on up here. Stay up here. Come on. If you're still right in your just come. Make your way up. Come on. Come on. Just believe. Just, just believe. Come on. Don't be afraid. We're going to present it before the Lord. We're going to present it before God. Come on. Just play it on the altars. Come on. Just the altars. Come on, people. Then tomorrow, we're going to tie them up. And then when you come this Sunday, they're going to be all draped across this thing of a reminder. Words to live by. Growth. Faith. Hope. Love. Peace. Acceptance. Forgiveness. What may be. Allison, that's what it's going to be. You call it, you speak it, you believe it. Let's pray now. Let's pray, Oli. I thank you for these many words to live by. As I look at words, many of them put peace, many of them trust, because they have trust issues, they have this in their lives. Lord, I pray in Jesus, you would just minister. Let these words be life-changing that can transform people's hearts. Lord, we just thank you for every individual here today. And we believe by faith that God do great things within each household here today. Thank you that great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, we're finding you. Individual today, we thank you, Father, as we come to you. You know our requests now. And we look forward to signs and follow for those who believe. Now go with us today, I pray. Lord, may the Vikings win on behalf of the wife. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.